In today's episode, we speak once again to the amazing Queen O'Brien. Queen O'Brien, MFA, MLA, is a joy and nerd, a joy nerd and a creator of joy-based businesses and joyful entrepreneur programs. She is also a seasoned writer and a design thinking practitioner who serves as a guest lecturer at Emory University. Back in 2017, Quinn uh, founded and ran an innovation firm, O'Brien Group LLC, where she partnered with Google and led a team that worked with Fortune 500 companies and large school districts. Quinn worked at Google for several years and is an alumni of Stanford University, Goddard College, and Emory University. Let's speak to Quinn and find out how you can identify your money blocks, your money beliefs, and how to remove them. Let's find out. And if you want to upgrade your money mindset, then click on the link www.millionfoundations.com and watch my free training. Money Mindset with Girl Khan podcast will help you to break free from your limiting beliefs, reverse your money shame and blast through your money blocks so that you can live a life of unlimited abundance. In this podcast, we will talk about energy tools and mindset strategies that will help you to understand and change your relationship with money, whether you're in a job, profession or working on your passion. Change your relationship with money to change your life. I'm your host, Gul Khan. Let's get started. Welcome, welcome. This is Gul Khan, your money mindset expert. And once again, we have the amazing, we have the beautiful, we have the lovely Quinn O'Brien. Welcome, Quinn. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be back. Thank you so much for coming back, Quinn. We had such a fantastic conversation on Friday. Be sure we have to have you back today for Money Talkies. So, Quinn, once again, everybody's heard your intro. They know how fabulous you are. But please, in your own words, tell everybody what it is that you do. Well, hi, everybody. Yes, I'm Quinn O'Brien. I am a joy nerd. Um, I am obsessed with joy and also obsessed with money in a very positive way. Um, and I have made it my purpose to help people find joy in really unlikely places like business and work and even uh, money. So um, it is such a pleasure to be back and get to talk with you. And, you know, I think you are incredibly insightful on this topic. So it's a real honor. Fabulous. And today's topic is one of my favorite topics, which is how to identify and then change toxic beliefs about money. So how does one, in your opinion, Quinn, start even identifying what kind of beliefs they have about money, let alone identify which are toxic? Because in my experience working with so many people, people are one, are not even aware that they have certain beliefs about money. They're like, I want to have negative beliefs about money. They, they completely are in denial. They have no idea. <laughs> yeah. And more to the point, they don't even know that those some of those beliefs are toxic because they don't they 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 are masked as you know. But that's how the world goes, or that's how things are, or it's not the truth. It's yeah. masked as just being a point of view. As it's such a they they have such paradigms around it that they don't even see it as one as a belief, and two that is toxic. So yeah, I just want to start the process. Um, I think what you're identifying is spot on, and um. It's what I think of as a state of despair. And mm. and people don't know that they're in a state of despair. Yeah. But the sense that I have no control over this, I have no mm. power in this situation, it is ironic because those beliefs lead you to think um that the very beliefs themselves are okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's like a, yeah. yeah. A circular situation. So 
Um, I think the first thing is that a little bit of education about how the mind works is helpful. Mm -hmm. And I'm very interested in neuroplasticity, um, which is the way that our brain can actually shape and reshape according to the stimulus. So, you know, if I have a thought about money and I repeat it often enough, I've now created kind of a groove in my brain Mm -hmm. and it's very hard for me to think a different thought, right? I need... I need somebody to come in and help me think a new thought because Mm -hmm. I'm not going to probably be able to initiate that on my own. So a little bit of education about how that works is helpful because um, it starts to seed the idea that perhaps things could be different. And perhaps my brain is just trying to be efficient. We can't think a whole new set of thoughts every time we want, you know, to step out and get a new glass of water. (laughs) Like, Ooh, how are we going to do this today? (laughs) You're like, we need that. We need that. It serves us most of the time. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Thinking a little bit about, okay, um, this is, this might be a possibility that we could shift our thinking a little bit. And then also how do we tune to an embodied experience of joy? This is another thing that, that I teach. So, and these two things kind of fit together. A lot of times we are so disconnected from our spirit, from our hearts and from our physical bodies that we get to live in that we are not aware of what we're experiencing. And if you can start to figure out where does joy live in the, in the body, like for me, um, joy really is in my heart center. Mm. I feel it here. There's other places, including my shoulders. Interesting. Like, um, but I, that's like, that's my experience of joy. So I'm very attuned to that. And I notice it when it comes up. So now that I have these two skill sets, I understand neuroplasticity and I can feel joy in my own body. I can begin to ask an important question, which is how are my beliefs serving me and how do they make me feel? Right. Okay. So I'm a bit confused. Okay. So you're saying feel into your body first and feel where your joy is and then, then ask questions. Is that right? Yeah. So run that, run that belief by yourself. Okay. I believe uh, let's do you have a do you have a favorite uh, negative belief or toxic belief that people oh come up with? one of them is I, I'm not smart enough um that's that comes up um you know I'm not lucky enough I'm not uh, I, I can make money I can't keep money mm-hmm. um you know mm-hmm. uh, keeping money is hard that people don't even realize how toxic that one is keeping money is hard keeping um money is hard. you know make you need money to make money I mean there are a number I can run them off but I want to step back before this as well, because before people even can get to this point, they need to identify beliefs first, because that's the whole point of today's topic, identifying and changing toxic beliefs. How do they even identify what beliefs they have? I think we need to talk about that first, because a lot of the times people are running on autopilot and they don't even realize they have certain beliefs about certain things. And I want to make this clear. People have beliefs that, everything you've been given these beliefs from the age of zero to seven most of them and so how you tie your shoes how you cook your food which foods you eat which food groups you pair together everything and everything you have beliefs around but you you have they're they're so ingrained in your psyche in who you are you don't question them you don't even think of them the beliefs you just think that's how it is for example we get up in the morning we have breakfast and with we're talking off camera about intermittent fasting and that's common and completely blown out that that, at the window that you don't need to have breakfast you can actually be without breakfast and i personally don't have breakfast at all i skip breakfast altogether 
and it's actually it allows your body to keep recovering and not be in, in the going to um into you know digesting food anymore so it does actually have health benefits um anyway the point being a lot that when i i grew up with the belief that, and i took ages to just let go of the belief that breakfast has to be here to eat like kings remember we, i was taught as a child you have to eat like kings so breakfast is the most important meal and how how could i do that i remember having to struggle when with myself when i was trying to first realizing i had uh, those beliefs now I, I purposely said it about around food because you know i don't talk about money all the time i want to i want you to explain to us how does someone go about even identifying what mm-hmm. beliefs they have you know interestingly almost always people have made their beliefs a reality mm-hmm. unconsciously. yes so you could look around and say <laughs> well i my bank account's empty my, uh, you know, I'm struggling to pay for my kids' school tuition or whatever, and track that back to a belief. The mm. other thing that's really helpful is to have a coach, somebody mm. like you or somebody like me, to come in and say, okay, let's try this on. Let's try this on. Money is abundant. How do you feel in your body? And for a person who believes that, which I know you do, it lights us up. Mm. Awesome. If that is not a belief that you have, like, deep down, that does not, you're not going to feel that like joyful yeah. <laughs> feeling in your body. You're going to feel something like anger, collapse, uh, frustration, frustration, wanting to turn away from that annoyance, or mm-hmm. maybe even feel like you need to put the person down who said that to you yeah. because it's, it's so upsetting. And that is how you know that you're holding a toxic belief. It's how it feels. Mm-hmm. Um, how does it feel to think uh, I'm terrible with money? feels mm. awful. When I even say that to myself, I feel bad. Yeah. I, I, feel I, mean, I think, I think when you have worked things up and you're the opposite, when someone, I, I'm, I'm one of those, I, I, I say I'm a, a I was, a, I became an attorney and I became an advocate in three different jurisdictions. I'm a lawyer in three just different jurisdictions, but I seem, I seem to be an advocate for money. And that's all I end up being. Cause someone, when someone says anything derogatory about money, I jump and say, no, money's not like that. And I, I sort of defend money all the time. So it gets to the point where you feel uncomfortable when someone says the opposite. Whereas yeah. if someone says something that you are in harmony with, you sort of like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. And why does it make sense? Because it, at the moment you're currently agreeing with the ideology and that's because it's it's similar to the kind of beliefs that you hold. So if yeah. someone says money is really hard to make, yeah, you're like, yeah, that makes sense because it does, it is hard to make. Whereas if you and I say, actually money, it literally does can be grown on trees. It, it's so easy <laughs> to make. Um, and, it, you know, you may not see it at times. And there's a, there's a there's a there's a section in Napoleon his book Think and Grow Rich because when money starts coming to you, it comes so fast. You're thinking, where the hell were you? Where were you when I was you know running around trying to pay the rent and pay money? That's right. You when you were so scarce, you were like nowhere to be seen. And now the, the flood gets open and just pouring in. How does this happen? But that's how you. That's the, the thing when you have money and it comes it so ferociously, you it surprises you. But then that's a belief change. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So. Once you've found those beliefs Hmm. or even just found one, I don't think you have to, you don't have to do an incredible inventory of every terrible belief you've got, but maybe take one that seems particularly stuck. Like the I'm bad with money is a common, is a common one. Yeah. Even for 70 year olds. I mean, I have people that come to work with me and they're, they're in the seventies and they are, they've made money and they've been, they're amazing at making money. They just can't keep it because they're they're bad at managing money. And they, and so, and so they believe that. So 
Um, I will ask people, and I think that you do something very similar. I'll ask people, okay, well, let's write it down. Mm. Or if they really hate writing, let's tell the story and record it so that you can, you can hear it again. Mm. And, um, but I believe in writing because it's a generative activity. So it's going to help with that neuroplasticity piece, right? Yeah. Um, so we're going to write the story um, of how bad, how bad you are at money, how like my old self, how I could not be trusted with money, how, you know, there was no point in having a savings account, right? Write it all down. And, and this help our brains naturally are going to organize around stories. This is such a cool thing about human beings that we, um, we understand things through the power of story. It's how our mind makes sense of the world. So, um, so now we can look at that and I can say, okay, well, let's look at your, let's look at this together. Where's, where's the belief. Do you see the belief um, about, you know, I can't be trusted with money and then, yeah, it's right there. And how is that manifesting in your life? Oh, well, it's, it's literally, it's right here on this piece of paper. And then this is the leap. This is the imaginative leap that is sometimes hard and takes some pushing and some talking and help. But what if you don't have that belief? How's the story different? How do we write, literally write a different story? And that is, that does not come easy to most people, but when it comes, it's like what you were just describing that like, Oh, who Mm. am I without this belief? Yeah. Yeah. I think this is, this is such a powerful technique that we use it all the time in my mastermind. And I call it rewriting your stories. You write, first you have to write out exactly how you feel. It's like a verbal vomit on the paper. (laughs) and you write out everything and this is the time when you're allowed to feel crappy you're allowed to feel the anger frustration sadness all of that gets put on a piece of paper and whoever's involved with this with mom dad or whoever else is and you just talk about you know it's so bad it's so this and it's that and And then once you've done it um now look at the opposite so i would say the easiest thing is do the opposite so if money was really hard to come by when you were younger the opposite Money is really easy to come by. You know, money comes in so quickly. We, we also had more than enough money to, we had a, you know, luxury dinners every evening. And mum had made home-cooked food and it was, smelled beautiful and it was gorgeous. And you, know, you keep it as close to reality as possible, but with the, uh, with the you know, you, you do it in a way that you're, you're able to accept it. Because if you if it's too far from the truth, I think your brain refuses it. But if you'd repeat it enough, remember, if a lie is repeated enough times, you begin to accept it as truth. This is how media works. It, it lies to you again and again and again and again. And then eventually you think, I think it's the truth. That's but you, right. can that, you can do that to yourself. You can repeat something again and again and again, and you begin to believe in it. It's when you believe in it, that's when you know you've installed the new belief. Yeah, yeah. So the, that's an easy way to gauge whether you've internalized the new belief because your new story will now seem real to you and you won't re- resist it. You won't be antagonized by it. You'll feel relieved and happy re- writing that story out. That's right. And you'll feel joy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think that's that's such a beautiful way to think about it and to tell your story close to reality because one of the things that I learned early on that I hadn't really thought about was that there is so much abundance all the time. Yeah, all the time. even in the situations, you know, growing up, I'm, my parents struggled. Um, they were we were middle class, but we were on the poor side of middle class sometimes for various reasons. But there was dinner every night. We lived in a home that protected us. You know, we had indoor plumbing, yeah. and you forget that those things are huge. 
And those things are luxury, by the way. Um, Because many of us, though, so you know, we're probably from the same generation. And we were we now grew up. I was I was born. I'm an '80s child, and I grew up in the '80s and the '90s. Uh, But we we take it for granted that we had indoor plumbing and and all those things. But just at that moment in time, forget our own countries. In other parts of the world, indoor plumbing was not the norm. It's become the norm now, in the, in, and even now, this part of the world where indoor plumbing doesn't exist. But when in the in the seventies and eighties and nineties, indoor plumbing was just becoming the norm um, for for other parts of the world. And indoor plumbing has just become the norm, and I think in the sixties, in the seventies, in, right. in 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 the Western world as well. So my parents grew up without indoor indoor plumbing, yeah. um, because they they're the they're the sixties seventies children, you know. But it's just one of those things. So it's funny how abundant we were. Even the things we have this moment in time, go back a hundred years and only the elite, the kings and the queens would have access to those luxuries. Can you imagine going back a hundred years and saying to someone in the, in 1920 or 1923 that we will eventually be having our own personalized computers in our hands and we'll be able to track everybody and we'll be talking. I mean, the telephones, the, obviously the telephone was invented by then. The telephones you have now, which are so long and takes whatever, we all be have, we'll all have them and we'll have them on our watches too and we'll have this and we'll that. It would blow their mind. It's incredible. Blow their mind. Yeah. Um, but we have them and it's we take it for granted. Mm-hmm. And it, it, this is one of the points I teach about, you know, everyone, everyone has money. You just don't realize how much money you have because you're so focused on what you don't have. That in order for us for them to be listening to this conversation, they have to have either a tablet or uh, an iPhone or or some kind of uh, smartphone. Um, or, or or you know, they have to or they have to be listening on some kind of device to be able to listen to this podcast. And yeah. either through YouTube or through, you know, one of the podcast uh, mediums, you know, um, iPhone, um, I, I, Apple iTunes or whatever have you. But they need to have something in order right. for them to have that tablet or that uh, that the mobile device or whatever it is. They need to have money to buy it or someone needs to give it to them. So you can have you can be bundled without having money because people can give stuff to you and you still be a bundle. I hope you are enjoying today's episode. If you want to learn more about my mindset strategies and energy tools to help you change your money mindset, then please register for my Abundance Mindset Makeover Workshop by visiting www.abundancemindsetmakeover.com. See you inside the workshop. Earning money is definitely not the only or even necessarily the best way to get it. Yeah. Um, and that device that you're listening on is a treasure trove yeah. of ways to make money. <laughs> There's so many creative things that you could do. You can take photographs and sell them. You can, you know, you can do just a million beautiful things with that one small device um, and with your mind, which is full of ideas and possibilities. And I think so going along that road of, you know, okay, so now I can see there's these other possibilities um, I think there's a there's sort of a circular process of continuing to excavate, continuing to um, embed and practice the new beliefs and to catch yourself when you start to think the old beliefs and like redirect, try to get that track in your brain to start to fade away a little bit and let the other one be the really dominant one. That's the go to belief. Right. And then from there, what are we going to do? 
okay, well, if I really am living this belief that uh, the money is money is everywhere, it's yeah. available to me all the time, you know, I'm going to start to see things that I didn't see before. Mm. I remember when I first started this, I would like to practice and I would be like, I'm going to find 50 cents, <laughs> you know, and then literally just look down in my car and see the, see the change in the bottom of the car. You're like, oh, it was right there, mm. you know, or, or manifest small things like uh, a meal or a pen or, you know, just something like that uh, to kind of practice and see yeah. how, how am I, how am I engaging around this stuff? Is that something that you I bet that's yeah. something that's so, so, well. it's cool. Yes, yeah, so I call it practicing your, your manifesting muscle because it's a muscle. And yeah. the reason why it's called, I call it a muscle because the more you practice it, the more evidence you you gather around that you, that you can do it, the stronger your belief that the larger manifestations will come to fruition as well. A lot mm. of the times we think, can it really happen for me? Can it really happen for me? And we have things happen and we explain them away. One of the things I talk about quite a lot often is do not explain away any of your miracles. If you don't appreciate miracles from universe, from God, you will stop receiving them. So when you receive something, you know, be, you know, be very appreciative of it. And money, finding money is one of the best things I think. So I never, never overlook, even if it's a penny on the floor, I, I try to pick it up all the time. I will pick it up and say, thank you, universe. And thank you, thank you, Allah Spandala, for sending me the, you know, this money as evidence of more money coming to my way, my way. But can you do me a favor? Can you just multiply this by a million or 10 million and send it my way? <laughs> you know, thank you so much for this, but I can, can you just send it by there? And I just appreciate that penny and I ask for 10 million in return. And then I would come home and I put it in the charity box. And my intention is that this is going to go in the charity. Where the also intention is when when God sends me that money, pity multiplied by 10 million and I get it, that's also going to go to charity. A certain portion is going to go to charity. So my intention is always like, what can I do with that service, with that money? But that money that I pick up, I appreciate it. And I, I put it in my charity box at home I have. And it's that, it's having that constant uh, expectation of money coming to you and having this this idea that, you know everything's working in your favor and i think yeah. that these two things combined together uh, you know that everything's working for you and uh, and you are expecting miracles that's when miracles show up yes absolutely and so to and adding on to that i have a belief that joy is how the universe tells you you're headed the right direction oh 100% 100% i that comes first and physical manifestations of whatever you, whatever the house, the car, the the money, the client, the husband, the wife, the kids come second. So it's that joy that comes first. You have this sense of, you know, calmness, serenity that my my you know my prayers have been accepted. It's that it's that kind of feeling yeah. that certainly I know this is going to happen. I I can't see any evidence of it, but that's where faith comes in. And I just feel yeah. I just yeah. feel amazing. I just know this is going to happen. And you and whenever and every single person's experiences whenever you like. I just feel it in my bones. I just feel it's going to happen. I just feel it's going to be good. You may not verbalize it, but you say it or you think it and then it happens. Yeah. I'll tell you a, a story about a little side business of mine that's related to the, and you know, I'm always creating businesses, but um, so in this, in my, my lovely house that I have, um, there was a downstairs um, basement that was partially finished when I bought the house. And I, I thought, you know, I will, um, I'm going to just put some appliances and fix it up a little bit and I'll rent it out. And it'll be like a little, another little income stream and, and um, that kind of thing. And as I was in the process of that, I realized that the thought of it brought me absolutely no joy, not a drop. 
So obviously I'm on the wrong track. And I began to think about what would, what would feel joyful for this space, this, you know, it's a whole floor of a house. Like we got to do something with that cool. Right. And what came to my mind is that it should be all pink. (laughs) It should be like a joyful, bright pink space. And that it shouldn't be for one person to just rent out, but that it should be a space where I can, I can have room to teach people about joy and where people can come and go and use the space in different kinds of ways. Um, and that brought me so much joy. I was like, oh yeah, I feel this. I feel it. And then it just like click, 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 click. And I saw the look on your face when I told you it was all pink, but it's, it's so cute. It's, <laughs> it's like some green and all these different colors of pink. And it's so cute and fun. Um, and it's not quite finished yet, but it's, it's interesting to watch as, you know, people have sort of been, been with me and they came, some folks came and saw the renovation. They're like, you know, you can make a lot of money on this space. <laughs> I was like, I know that's part of the plan. But then they started naming numbers that were actually higher than I had I had thought about for it. And they were like, yeah, you know, we've got a friend who does something similar and they're, you know, they're bringing in this amount. And I was like, oh, well, how about that? My joy just led me in this beautiful direction. And if yeah. I had stayed where I was before, I mean, I might've done okay, but it wasn't going to be something that was like, um, really manifesting and bringing in, you know, probably two and three times as much as what the original plan was. So that's what I, when I think about, you know, following your joy when it comes to money, that's it. Like what lights you up? Yeah. I think the, I think you're, so you're going to be using it as Airbnb. Is that what you're planning on doing it? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if that'll be the exact thing, but something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It will, it will bring in a lot more money. But I think I think you're I think this is so important and people forget this. We've been taught in schools, we stay like this, we focus like this, and when we make money, we have to work hard and working hard means you should not be happy, you should be, you know, just stern and you know, you're here to work, not to have fun, in that kind of attitude that we're given, right? right. And I think, huh, what a BS, right? Whereas uh, I mean the, the subjects you do the best in are the ones you enjoy the most. Right. Yeah. I, I I love maths. I absolutely love maths and I could do all the papers again and again and again and again. And that's because I enjoyed it. So it was fun for me. And that's why I excelled in it. You know, yeah, exactly. um, it's funny, my, my both my kids, they, you know, maths could just come so easy to them. So they just they enjoy doing that more than the other subjects. And it's I mean, when I get them to study, the one subject that both of them would never complain about studying or to doing extra work on is maths because I enjoy it. Right. Yeah. Other things that like they've made the moan and groan about and God knows what else. Right. And so if you enjoy something, you're going to make more money from it. It's just it's just common sense. Right. Makes. Yeah. Yeah. But unfortunately, we've been programmed through our years in education to equate money making through work and work has to be horrible in the, in an office which you don't enjoy and you're miserable and if you're happy you can't be possibly making money you have to be miserable while making money which are two different things if you're miserable you can't make money you know <laughs> it really puts people in a terrible bind um and and as you're miserable over time your health degrades your feeling your well-being degrades um you lose touch with any joy that you naturally have inside of yourself and uh and they're your ability to manifest and to bring in more money is now going down instead of going up the way it would um, for someone who is 
you know, coming into the day, like, what are we going to do? Who am I going to get to connect with? What are, you know, what are the joys of this day? What is, uh, what would be, what would be a fun way to bring in some money? Right. I mean, you just ask yourself that question and so many, so many possibilities can pop up from there. Exactly. I think far too many times we think in order for us to have money, we have to sacrifice something. I've heard this so many times, you know, Mm -hmm. there's a price for everything and nothing comes cheap and there's no such thing as free lunch. And, you know, those kind of things are thrown out and people don't realize those are, again, limiting beliefs as well. And I think people have just come to terms with the idea that if they want money, they have to be miserable. And and they've forgotten that in order for them to have money, they need to be happy. And I always say, happiness comes first, money comes second. Mm-hmm. And, and if it comes the other way around, if money comes first, happiness never enters through the door. Never. Okay, You're always going to be miserable. You may pretend to be happy. You may think that you, you are happy. That And if you think having the car or the house or something or whatever is going to bring you happiness, good luck. It's, it doesn't. It just doesn't. Even the most materialistic person cannot gain happiness just for materialistic things. It just doesn't happen for a long t- period, maybe for an hour or two, a day or two, a week or max. And then you feel empty again. That's where you're running after the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Yeah, Happiness has to come first. Yeah. Money comes second. And when you do it in that order, because you prioritize happiness and you mm-hmm. do, you make money in the way that which is in your highest good and highest alignment with you, Money comes with so much abundance, so much abundance, because abundance is not just about money. It's about health. It's about relationships. It's about joy and happiness. And it's about having a fulfilled, happy life, not about having a set of our money in your bank account, doing nothing. Absolutely. It's not meant to be stagnant. And we as human beings are not meant to be stagnant. We should be in motion. We should be trying things and falling down and getting up and being in community with each other. You know, as you were speaking, I was reminded of a little piece of my my own story that I think is relevant here. A toxic belief that I had. Um, so I'm a writer by training. That's that's what I do. <laughs> um, but I had a toxic belief that a creative person would not make money. Mm, a lot of people, and, do. a lot of spiritual they, people do as well. Yeah, yeah, and and I thought um, that if I to to be happy and to do my art. I would need to be poor. Mm. And what of course turned out is that being poor was quite uh, stressful (laughs) and very uncomfortable and very much distracted me from all the things that I actually wanted to accomplish as a writer. Mm. Um, So I had to go in and be like, well, maybe that's not true. Maybe um, what if I had a good job that paid me some good money you know, that was the thing that was closest to hand that I could, could do. What if, you know, what if I work, you know, 30 hours a week at a job that pays me pretty well, and then I could maybe create on the side. And, you know, it's not that much of a leap. It's not a hard thing to figure out. But when you are carrying a belief and you believe it with all of your heart, you will, you will just knock those possibilities out of your, out of your way so fast. Um, But yeah, absolutely. I think, a sense of groundedness, a sense of happiness, wholeness within yourself. If you come to shifting your beliefs about money from that place, like you're unstoppable. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Cool. 100%. Just if we could, as we begin to wrap this up now, how do you think somebody who has 
you know, who 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 resonates with you and says, okay, you know, what Gould and Quinn are saying really makes sense. I don't feel happy when I think about money at the moment. I don't feel happy when I look at my work. I don't feel happy when I look at where I live. Mm-hmm. How do I start feeling happy? If, if I'm if I'm understanding this correctly, these two are saying I need to feel happy first, and then money will follow. How do I start feeling happy now? What can I do in this moment right now to start shifting my beliefs and start shifting how I feel? Mm-hmm. What would your advice be to that? I would say start where you are. First of all, see if there's anything around you that brings you a tiny, tiny bit of joy or happiness. Um, if you walk outside and you're able to see a little bit of nature, that it's a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Um, so look, maybe there's a flower that's blooming. Maybe there's a child who's laughing hysterically about nothing. Maybe um, you have a beautiful piece of artwork in your home that you don't really like. Look what's behind you. It's so beautiful. So, something like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so maybe you have something beautiful that you can look at and see, like, see if you can grow it a little bit, like you feel it, you look and you feel it and you go, Oh, that is beautiful. And like, can you go inside and see if you can expand a little bit? And if you can practice that a few times a day, (laughs) nobody will know you're doing it because you can do this during a meeting or while you're driving your kids to school or whatever it is you need to do. But if you can practice that, you start to build up the muscle a little tiny bit, a little bit every day. And it's not, you don't have to do this all at once. Mm-hmm. Um, our minds and bodies take time to adjust to new beliefs and new ways of seeing the world. But if you can see a little bit more every day, you'll you'll be on your way. I love that. I think it's so important to start where you are and start finding the happiness and joy in whatever brings you happiness and joy. I think I'm going to add a bit more to it. I think we are so lost in our our day-to-day grind, in our nine-to-fives, in our, you know, making ends meet. We forget what brings us joy. And I'm saying this because I got recently, um, it happened to me, and I I live a very happy life. I've got um, my kids and my cats bring me so much happiness and joy, especially my, I have to say, um, sometimes my cats more than my kids because my kids are (laughs) bugging me, but... I mean, it's just, you know, my, my, one of my cats just has to come and just sort of give me cuddles and mm. lifts up my day. But there was a time not long ago, and I remember I was, I was so busy, you know, I had multiple businesses going and things went wrong and whatever else. And I was trying to take your clients and businesses and properties. And I, yeah, this is last year. And yeah. I, I was so lost with all the things that I was doing that I was just... I literally was not happy at all. I was just miserable, absolutely miserable. And I had to stop. I literally stood, stop, 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 stop. And I stopped and walked away. And then I looked back at my life. And then I, before I did anything else, I just started one thing at a time. So what gives me the most joy? So even if I save my cats and kids, my kids are my pride and joy. So I focused on my kids. And of course, my cats are just my cats for the loving. So I would cuddle my kids and my cats and I wouldn't think of anything. And I wouldn't let anything destroy my joy. I began to protect my happiness, my day, like very, very viciously. And okay, I don't want to think about anything. No, no, let's sharp it. I, I use the sharpening technique, which I should talk to my daughter. I don't want to talk about things at this moment. I'll think about it afterwards. This can yeah. happen later. And just allowed myself the space to feel the happiness and joy with my kids and with my cats and watching binging on Netflix, watching rubbish and whatever else it is. But these, these things allowed me 
to tune back into happiness and joy. Mm-hmm. Too many times people are so lost and so lost in the day-to-day making ends meet, they forget to pause, to stop and have, be able to um, have a look and reflect on their life and see what brings them happiness. This is especially true of people who are single, by the way, and there are so many people who are single. I think the easiest way to gain happiness is through your kids. Honestly, they, they, they you know, just a random cuddle here and there or pets, by the way. So you yeah. know, pick up a pet or a, or, a, or a child and the love you get, the unconditional love you get is just, it, it lifts your mood and brings you back into alignment with happiness. But if you are by yourself and you don't have a partner, you don't have a spouse, you don't have a child, you don't have a pet, I think it's more, more difficult. But you still need to stop and see what, why are you doing things? You know, why are yeah. you doing that nine to five? What are you doing that whatever job your business that you got? Sometimes it's not nine to five, sometimes it's a business. Why are you doing what you're doing? Is it bringing you happiness? No, right. why not? And is it, are you preventing yourself from receiving happiness because that that profession, that business or that job may bring you happiness, but you're not allowing yourself to have happiness because you're too busy being busy or right. you don't believe that, you know, you, you should be happy. Figure it out. I think after this conversation with you, if they can take one thing away from, from my from my point of view on the, during this conversation is be make happiness a priority. Make, make being joyful a priority and see how what part of your life and everything can that can be directed towards your happiness and choosing your happiness is not selfish it's an act no. of love so it's the best thing you can do for other people and yourself um yeah. you know there's no that you can i can i never think we know how can you make other people happy by being miserable yourself <laughs> you know that doesn't make sense so <laughs> Take that away. Pause. Stop. If you don't know what happiness is, if you don't know what joyful is, then talk. Then that's the time for you to know. You need to pause. Stop. Walk away. Even if you think you can't walk away, walk away for a couple of days, and get um, a, a distant view on your life and see. You know, okay, what? Why am I not happy? And yeah. fix it. Make it priority to fix that aspect. Okay, so on that note, we're going to wrap it up. So wait, tell us, how can we connect with you? Where can you find you on the internet? You can find me. I am Joy Boss Babe on TikTok and Instagram. I also uh, would be honored for folks to join the wait list for my course that's launching soon. It's called the Joy and Money Mindset Course. um, And that is joybasedbusiness.com slash waitlist. Um, you'll be in my world and I will let you know about all the cool stuff uh, coming up, including some special discounts for listeners. So fabulous. So if you are listening to us on the podcast, the links for Quinn will be in the show notes. And if you're watching on YouTube, then down below in the description section, we'll have all the links that she just mentioned. Go check her out and see how she can help you bring more joy and happiness back into your life. Well, thank you so much for being such an amazing guest, Quinn. It's been a pleasure talking to you. I have enjoyed every moment with you, Gull. Thank you. And thank you for all the wisdom that you've shared in this in this time together. It's It's been a really incredible opportunity. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening to me and Quinn today on Money Talkies. I will be back with another amazing guest, finding out how you and I can build a better business. Until the next time we meet, this is Gull Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now. 
If you want to learn more about my energy tools and mindset strategies, then please visit my website www.gulkhan.com. And if you want to take part in our five-day abundance mindset makeover workshop, where I deep dive into energy tools for abundance, then please go to www.abundancemindsetmakeover.com and register. I look forward to being your mentor in the next workshop. And if you want to learn about the spiritual laws of money, then go and get my book, Laws of Money, from www.lawsofmoney.com. Until the next time we meet, this is Gul Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now.